There we go. Hi, Hannah. How Hello. are you doing? I'm You're fine, okay? thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. Thank you for coming yes. on to the Decades Reloaded Mental Health Mixtape, our first no ever podcast yeah. episode. I'm so excited to have yeah, you on here. Good. Thank it's you great. so much. Are you okay. ready for this today? Yes. Yeah, yeah I'm ready. Excellent. So, <laughs> Fire for, away. For everyone who um, doesn't know who you are yet, I'm sure they all will very, very soon. Um, <laughs> you are one of the Decades Reloaded Ambassadors. You're our Ambassador mm -hmm. of the South down in Cornwall. But can you just tell yeah. anyone listening a little bit more uh, about yourself? Okay, you so... Um... I'm Hannah. Um, I'm a instructor in Saltash in Cornwall. So those of you that know Cornwall, uh, we're, I'm right at the top. I'm the first bit you get to before you go deeper into Cornwall. Um, so it's quite a small town, um, quite close to Plymouth, only, only a short car ride away. So if that helps with the geography a little bit. Um, so I'm teaching Group X classes in um, Saltash at the moment. So I work in a leisure centre here and I teach in the community um, and I have been doing for about four and a half years now. Fab, so quite a while then. You're a, um, if I recall, did you train during the, you did a lot of training during the pandemic, didn't you? So I qualified just before the pandemic. So that's a bit of a baptism of fire for me. So I, I qualified, in the August of 2019 and then started my classes and they were going really really well and starting to build and then we had lockdown so um and everything that goes with that how did you find that, that was being quite new to opening up classes um I think probably it wasn't too bad for me in some ways because I was new um, I didn't have a massive like following or anything so it was I didn't really feel although it's disappointing to obviously start something and then have to stop it very abruptly it wasn't as if I um, had really like long-standing relationships with my clients and things like that so um, as frustrating as it was it it gave me a bit of time actually to really think about what I wanted to do coming out of the pandemic which was Good, because I made some good decisions. Can you tell us about those decisions? Well, I trained to be a decades reloaded instructor. Um, I also did, yeah. Uh, I did my um, children's qualification as well. Um, so I, I basically just decided that coming out of the pandemic, I wanted to do classes that really um, encourage people to think about their mental health because that was something for myself over the pandemic I felt uh, really needed more support out there um, lots of people were talking about how their mental health was affected by the pandemic and I felt as though um, if we were going to relaunch classes afterwards that it we needed to have a new focus um, people weren't going to be rushing to classes to lose weight or anything like that. It was more about getting people to understand the other benefits of Group X in particular um, and all the things that they've been lacking, like social connection over the pandemic, 
they can actually find that again in that group X environment. So that's where I wanted to take my class. So it gave me that time to really sort of refocus um, and make some decisions about who I was as an instructor. When you first qualify, you have this sort of tick list of all these things that you want to hit. Um, and, uh, and, and that was, that's fine, but I didn't really know who I was and what I wanted to bring different to the industry. Um, I didn't just want to be like, you know, um, a factory version of as the next qualified instructor, you know, fresh out of the box. I wanted to do something different. Um, and I think that's why my classes have done well coming out of the pandemic now is that, I've I've really sort of set myself apart from what's going on in the rest of my area um, in terms of focusing on mental health, confidence building, making people feel good, um, and also building relationships with my participants that perhaps they may not have experienced before in a Group X environment. So, um, yeah, although it was a challenge, I'm not going to lie, it was... It, um, it was difficult, you know, financially and all of that. It was actually um, a good sort of breathing space for me to go, right, okay, you're qualified. Now what are you going to do with that? And um, sort of think of which road I want to go down. And I felt very strongly that mental health was the area that I wanted to focus on. Excellent. So there's a couple of things then that I just want to ask you about in what you said there. Yeah. Um, particularly about the fresh out of the box, fit the mm -hmm. mould, newly mm -hmm. qualified instructor. I really want to come back to that in a moment. So yeah. just to give us a little bit of a background from where you were prior to qualifying yeah. as a fitness professional, what, where were you before? What made you decide, actually, do you know what? I think I'm going to go and get people all hot and sweaty for a living and <laughs> yeah. caution to the wind and join the community. <laughs> Okay, so I'll, I'll try and give you the short version of this because it is quite a long story. Um, so growing up, growing up, I was always a dancer um, and dance was something that I used as an escape. Um, born in the 80s, 90s teenager, great time to be a teenager in many, many ways. With no evidence of what we did, got up to as, as a 90s teenager, thank God. But, but mental health and um, coping as a teenager in the 90s, it was very different to how it is now. Um, we didn't really talk about teen mental health at all. Um, and so exercise for me, or dance in particular, was my sort of way of coping with what was going on around me. Um, I didn't find school very easy um, socially. Um, uh, I was bullied quite a lot. And so I felt as though when I went and danced, I was in my own zone and I could sort of switch off and nobody could bother me. And I was quite good at it. So, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a good one. Um, so I carried on doing that for many years. I was in cabaret teams and all sorts of stuff, competitions, you name it. And then life kind of happened. So exams, university, getting married, having children. And then as time went on, spending less and less time doing the thing that I loved. Um, and then I got ill. So I basically... Uh, well, was diagnosed at the time with depression 
um, and anxiety. And I found myself pretty much bed bound for a while. Um, it turned out actually that I was hypothyroid. So I've got a condition called Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is quite a mouthful, but um, it's a chronically low thyroid um, hormone in my body. So I was finding that I was tired all the time. I couldn't function. I had a lot of pain in my body. And I had rapid weight gain as well, which was really difficult to deal with. Um, not from an aesthetic point of view, but I just felt in myself. I just didn't feel like myself anymore. Um, and then I had my children and I felt as though I couldn't really look after them in the way that I wanted to. I'd get much more tired than I expected to get. Um, and this went on for a while and I kept going back to the doctor and they kept sort of giving me antidepressants and painkillers and I was just Which in this cycle. When it's, when it's a thyroid function that can present yeah. mental health. Precisely, yeah. the impact that it has on us mm. biologically, yeah. those yeah. symptoms would, wow. Yeah. yeah, so I was kind of stuck in this cycle of, um, you know, doing all right for a bit and then sort of slumping and going back to the doctor and then just be given more medication. And I remember coming out of one particular consultation um, and I felt the doctor hadn't really listened to me, unfortunately, about how I was feeling. I just didn't want to keep taking medication all the time. I wanted to try other avenues. Um, and of course they talked about counseling and I tried that in the past. I tried cognitive behavioral therapy um and that didn't really work for me um so i went home and i just sort of cried really and thought you know what am i going to do I've got two small girls they're looking to me to kind of pick myself up and carry on um so i kind of thought well what did i used to enjoy and the problem with depression is trying to do the things even the things that you used to enjoy or enjoy doing is really tough yeah. because you don't, don't want to do it. Do it. Um, you have no um, desire to do anything. So I thought, look, you used to enjoy dancing. It used to be such a massive part of your life. Just start one class. And if you hate it, don't go back. So at the time, um, I had a friend who was going to line dancing classes. And um, she said, oh, come with me, come with me. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Um, and I did, and I did that one class, and I thought, oh, actually, it's not that bad. Okay, I could get through this. So then I started looking around for other classes that I might enjoy, and I found a sort of Group X class that was going on on a Monday morning. I thought, great, Monday morning, good routine. I can set myself up for the week. So I started doing that class, and I can remember the fear that I felt like my heart racing and like oh my god am I even going to get through the door um so changed my outfit about five or six times um really like calm sweaty just going into the room all the people in there so I sort of sellotape myself to the back row like I'm not I'm not gonna do much here I'm just gonna be nice and safe at the back um and then the music started. What do you and it think was that just fear was? Different. Was that going into a room full of people or was it the actual participation because you hadn't danced for so long? Or Yeah, 
I think it was a little bit of both. I think there was a lot of people there. Um, it was a very busy class. Um, they were all very sociable as well. They were all chatting. And I was like, oh, I'm not sure. I don't know what to say. I don't know who to talk to. Because I went on my own as well. So that was a big step for me. Um, and the instructor was lovely. She was very bubbly and vivacious. And, and I was just like, oh, this is a bit much. It's a little bit overwhelming. Um, and then the music started. And I was just first routine out the back out of the way and I was just like oh my god something's gone on in my head that I thought wasn't there anymore and before I knew it halfway through the class I'm singing along with with the tracks and I'm loving it I came out and I just thought that was like the most amazing experience because for the first time in a long time I hadn't thought about what else was going on in my head I'd just been focused on that task and absolutely loved it um so that class became two classes a week and then three classes a week and then you know and because that feeling that I felt afterwards was just so addictive um and as time went on I was able to reduce the pain medication and things that I was on because I had that natural high from coming out of a class and that carried on as, as the days went on. So I didn't feel as though I needed to take as much medication. Um, and then I found myself sort of like less and less in the back row and then started moving forward a little bit, a bit more confident. So sort of in the middle now, feeling quite like comfortable in that zone. Um, and then I would find other participants saying to me, I'm going to stand behind you. I was like, oh, why? Why me? Oh, you know what you're doing. We can follow you. And I was like, oh, nice, but there's an instructor over there. You can follow her as well. Um, and um, this kept happening, and I kept being pushed further and further to the front of the class until I found myself in the front row um, regularly. Um, and then it got to the point where the instructor was like, oh, I, I just need to go and see to so-and-so. Follow Hannah. She knows what she's doing. Um, which was ter slightly terrifying, but it also felt quite nice because it's like, oh, actually, yeah, I do know what I'm doing. Um, and then people started saying to me, do you know, actually, we quite like following you because we can follow you really well. Uh, you ought to do this as a job. I was like, yeah, whatever. You've just been nice to me and that, you know, it's, it's very flattering. But then it kept being said to me, different people over and over again. And I was like, oh, maybe there is something in this. Maybe it's not just them flattering me. Um, and then the instructor said to me, do you know what, Hannah, they're actually right. You probably could do this as a job. Um, and then the fear kicked in because that means being at the front teaching everybody else. So... Um, for a while, I was like, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. Um, and then I don't know what it was. I think I just thought to myself, you've got an opportunity now to really turn your life around and do something else. Um, something that you love, something you enjoy, something that fits around your children as well, uh, which is quite a difficult. Any mums out there will know that's a really difficult thing to find. Um so I spoke to my husband about it and we're like, okay, can we afford for me to take this leap? Okay, yes, we can. Um, so I did the training um, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I was really lucky to have a brilliant trainer um, 
and then qualified so yeah it was it wasn't that I just one day it wasn't particularly really sporty at school and that was a natural progression and it wasn't necessarily that I was really into fitness it was just this journey from the back row from the front to the front row and then standing at the front so that's that's the sort of progression through that's wonderful so I think um you definitely spot somebody who has some kind of past experiences of picking up dance routines and doing it mm -hmm. and you, it doesn't matter how much you try and hide in a room full of yeah. people people always seem to uh go are you a dancer and you had yeah. <laughs> try and disappear so you went you went from back row to standing at the front mm -hmm. and um doing your qualification everything else and then the pandemic happened you had this epiphany I don't want to be an instructor that's just fresh out of the box um fit in the mold of what you perceive a fitness instructor could be because mm -hmm. that's it. that's what it is isn't it we mm -hmm. all, when we um come into the industry we have this idealization of what we think a fitness professional should look like mm -hmm. I mean this is a story for mm -hmm. another day completely but I mm -hmm. remember being I carried more weight when I first started and I was really concerned that image wise people wouldn't come because mm -hmm. I wasn't teeny tiny and full of muscle you know mm -hmm. um but when we come out we want we want to fit this ideal but then it's so important to find your own zone mm. especially as a group exercise instructor mm -hmm. rather than and this is something that i mentor people in as well when instructors ask me for support when they're starting out is being you rather mm. than who you think you should be and rather than imitating another instructor because they're so mm -hmm. you think they're fantastic mm. that's not what people are going to come to you for so where where did you so you found your sort of lane with the fitness for mental health side of things but on a more um personal level mm -hmm. what attributes did you explore about yourself that then you brought to the front of the um so uh, yeah speaking up on what you, what said, you said there i just, I just felt that a lot of the messaging that comes out from the fitness industry, I didn't feel comfortable with a lot of it. Um, when I first started out and I first qualified, you know, I'd kind of be using the same sort of messages that you'd see quite regularly around calorie burning and this kind of stuff. Um, but I didn't really like it. I didn't really, I felt like I was just, I don't know, just carbon copying what had gone before and I didn't really believe in the messages that I was putting out it's like I almost I had to do it because that's what was expected um rather than actually it being authentically me um and so I felt that I really needed to make sure that whatever I was putting out there on social media in particular and then in my classes was actually authentically who I was I was very aware that I wasn't um you know, muscle bound and skinny and all those things that we expect and you've just spoken about there. But I had to focus on the fact that um, I had a journey I, to get to where I was at that moment. I was four and a half stone lighter than I was when I'd started that journey. Um, I was happier and healthier, not on pain medication. Um, I was able to do things with my girls that I wasn't able to do beforehand. My relationships were better with my husband, with my friends, 
Um, I had friends. I hadn't shut myself away anymore. You know, I wasn't like making um, plans and cancelling them because I was too anxious to go anywhere. All of a sudden, I had my life back. And I suddenly thought to myself, do you know what? That is what people want to hear. They want to hear that story because there's probably hundreds of people going through very similar things in my area um, who don't feel like those messages that get put out by fitness, the fitness industry um, speak, are speaking to them. You know, I'm, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because as women in particular, and, you know, I don't want to sort of um, sideline the men on this, but as, as women particularly, we are almost conditioned to expect that kind of messaging as well. So we, you know, we are expected to want to lose weight after a baby. We're expected to want to, um, you know, work out to burn calories, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so it's really difficult actually then to sort of step back from it and go, is that really what I want or is that what society wants for me? Um, and so I had to think, you know, actually, I I don't care if I am a little bit bigger or, um, you know, I, I'm not what the industry think I should be. I want to be who my participants want me to be, not what the industry wants me to be. And that wasn't an easy thing because I did face criticism from um, other parts of the industry in my area as well because I wasn't what they expected. Um, but actually, that just made me more resilient because it made me realise that actually... Um, this is needed. Somebody who's doing something different is needed. And then when I started um, meeting my new participants, some that came back after the pandemic, which is fantastic, but then a lot of new participants as well, and started talking to them about their experiences, that is what they wanted. They wanted somebody who wasn't um, judging them in a class for, you know, um, not exercising for ages or maybe being, you know, a little bit slack in their exercise routine or their diet or whatever it is, for whatever reason. Um, they wanted someone who was honest and actually told it like it is and said, you know what, guys, I'm actually feeling pretty rubbish today, um, but I'm going to dance and hopefully that'll make me feel good and I'm hoping that's going to make you feel good as well. And we talk after class or before class or in the group chat, um, and that's how we've built that community of, um, of, and it's, it's very much like, it's not a instructor participant relationship. It's a, it's a more communal thing. Um, obviously I'm their instructor and I'm there to make sure that they exercise safely and all that kind of stuff. But, um, ultimately I, I make sure I listen to them and what they want, um, and that's why I think it works well. And they know that I'm here for them too. So if, if they're really struggling, they know they can talk to me. They know it's okay to burst into tears after class and talk to me, you know, if they need to. So, you know, it's um, a very different type of class environment, um, but it's clearly something that people wanted um, and at the moment, it's it's working really well. So you've had some um, exposure to 
exposure is probably not really the right word, but mm-hmm. some experience of mental health in your own mm-hmm. personal journey. Um, yeah. Although it resulted in a different diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, but what other sort of areas of your life have been impacted by mental health or mental health conditions particularly? Okay, so um, as a parent, I am mother to a child with autism. So that was a real sort of, well, it hit me like a brick. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put it any other way, really. Um, when you have a, have a baby, you have all these ideals about how it's going to go. Um, then it doesn't. And that's really hard. Um, because you start to blame yourself as a parent and unfortunately although it's getting better society is very geared up to sort of make you kind of feel as though it's your parenting that's the issue and so that can be really tough to reach out for help and um and and look for um support so I ended up working with other parents eventually um and running a support group for other parents in my area who have children with uh, special educational needs or additional learning needs or disability. And that came from me sort of feeling like eventually we, we had a diagnosis and I had this bit of paper that said, it's not your parenting. It is actually, there is actually something else going on, which is a great relief, but then you're left there to kind of deal with it. Um, and maybe given a, a few websites to go to, um, but really no sort of help out there sometimes. Um, so I decided to set up a little group and it was just a few of us from the same school and then it grew. And now we've got nearly 400 members in that group um, from the Saltash area, but then a little bit uh, surrounding areas as well, because we've got quite a few rural areas around us. So. These are all parents who have children who are either diagnosed with um, something like autism, ADHD, OCD. um, The list goes on and on and on. Dyspraxia, dyslexia um, or their um, relations like grandparents and things that want to be able to support better. Um, We do have a few professionals in that group as well to try and um, give their help and advice but we're very careful about who's in that group because it is a parent forum at the end of the day um so it for me i obviously autism and um also adhd has become a real sort of focus for me in terms of my research and and part of my day-to-day life is helping other people as well as well as helping my daughter um i've also got another very close family member who was recently diagnosed with autism at the age of 47 so that was a very late diagnosis for them so supporting them through that and then through that I started to think oh hang on a minute I was started reading things and thinking well that sounds exactly like me as a child um okay so genetically there's a very high possibility that I could be on the spectrum somewhere. So I kind of pushed it to one side and thought, maybe not, maybe you're just seeing things that aren't there. Um, 
And then I read a book called Square Pegs by a lady called Kim Rain, and it was like she wrote the book about me. Um, it's a book about her journey as a woman with ADHD, um, late diagnosis in her 40s, and I cried most of the way through it because it was like seeing myself on a page. Um, it was full of testimonials as well from other people, and I just felt like suddenly everything kind of clicked into place and I could see that a lot of what I had to deal with when I was younger was actually undiagnosed ADHD most likely. So then I went to my GP um, and they were very good actually. I was really worried about going because um, you know, you kind of there's a lot of criticism out there at the minute about ADHD being overused as a, a diagnosis. So I was a little bit like, oh, they're just going to think that I'm jumping onto a bandwagon. And but then we went back and we looked through my medical history and we looked through like those cycles of um, depression and you know and how and when when they fell as well. So um, when I was dealing with a particularly stressful job and burnout and all this kind of stuff. And there was a real pattern going on. Um, and the GP turned around and said, you know what, Hannah, I think you're probably right. I think you probably have got ADHD. I can't diagnose you because I'm, I'm not allowed to right now. We're going to have to put you on a pathway to diagnosis. Unfortunately, in your area, the waiting list for an adult is now five years long. Yeah. Five years. Five years. Oh my Five years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, um, and I'm sure that's echoed around the country. Five years. Yeah. So, um, you can imagine. I was like, oh my god, what am I going to do? Five years is a long time to be wondering. So then I was put on a uh, a scheme called Right to Choose where you as a patient are able to access private um services so that's what i did went went to that and then you know um adhd is a diagnosis so um it's not an easy path if that's what you want to do you know it it can be really um difficult to go and ask for for help and you can sometimes feel as though you know the doors are kind of shut to you, you know, waiting lists and having to fill out lots of questionnaires and doing lots of assessments. But the relief you feel when suddenly your life makes sense, I can't put it into words, how that feels when you suddenly think, actually, I'm not a failure. I'm not, you know, I'm. there's a reason why I've struggled. And now I can start to build in strategies to try and help myself, you know, understand myself, not just understand myself, but help and un help others understand themselves. So, you know, I've got friends who we talk about this quite often. They also believe that they might be um, on the spectrum, either autistic or have ADHD. We talk about it a lot. We share experiences. Um, and we're able to support each other in that way. Not everybody's going to want to get a diagnosis for various different reasons, but everyone should have the right to be able to pursue that if they want to, just so that they can make sense of their lives because um, it can have a really detrimental effect on you not being able to um, have a reason why things are the way they are. 
Um, and that then can feed into depression and anxiety because you don't understand what's going on in the background. So now if I, for example, I've got a driving lesson today, so I've just started to learn to drive because for all those years, I didn't think I could do it because I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't think I could do it because my brain's too busy. I've got too much going on up here. I have panic attacks. My anxiety is too much. I didn't think I could do it. Now, I know I have those things, but I know the reason why I have those things. And I've tried to build in strategies to help me deal with it. And I can be open with my instructor as well and say, I've got ADHD, so I'm going to have to learn differently. You're going to have to do this differently with me. Um, and that's really important so that you can actually move on and achieve stuff. Um, I'm only four lessons in, but I've managed to drive a car, um, you know, and I never thought I'd be able to do that, you know, and the feeling you get from being able to do something that you didn't think you could do before, um, just because you understand your own brain better is just the most amazing feeling. So, yeah. Wow. So that's all really um, fascinating on what a journey you've been on so far from having a diagnosis of depression and anxiety to then the Hashimoto's, if I pronounce that correctly. Yeah, <laughs> um, you're close enough. And then finding out about that and overcoming that to then getting your daughter's diagnosis of autism, which lent to your own diagnosis of ADHD. That is quite the journey to go through. Mm. Mm -hmm. So now you've got this diagnosis, you were saying um, it's a bit of a revelation because it's like a massive weight's lifted mm. and you feel better because at least you have an explanation for mm. some of the um, symptoms or behavioural patterns that mm. had you had experienced over mm. the course of your life, even from much earlier years in your teens, which is mm. a fantastic point because I think even now, even though there's a um, larger conversation beginning to happen around children's mental health and young people's mental health, um, and there is a lot more talk around ADHD, particularly right mm -hmm. now. Um, how would you say, so you are managing those symptoms? Mm -hmm rather effectively right now would you say so yeah. what what is it <laughs> or maybe not <laughs> what is it? okay so between the highs and lows of the condition then um mm -hmm. the good days and the not so good days mm -hmm. what tools and techniques do you use to try and overcome the days that aren't yeah. so great or the elements of the day that aren't yeah. so great so I think it's important to realise this is the same with any diagnosis. When Once you've got that, um, if that applies to you, it's recognising that it's okay to have a bad day, actually, that that is quite normal. Um, before, I would really beat myself up about it. You'd be like, oh, why can't I just sit down and do all this admin, you know, and... Yeah get myself really like everyone else can do it why can't you you obviously stick as two short planks you don't know what you do then all the negative stuff starts playing in your head and you know it's a downward spiral so now i go now stop it 
it, there's a reason why you're struggling with this, actually. Go back and think about how you can make this work for you. Some days that works, some days it doesn't. Some days I'm really frustrated with myself and feel angry at myself because my anxiety has taken over and it stopped me from doing something that I wanted to do. But then once I've calmed down a bit and I could step back and look at it and go, yeah, that's what it was. Actually, it's not that you're rubbish. It's not that you can't do it. It's because there was this trigger or that trigger and it spiralled and got out of control. So then next time I can look for those triggers and, and sort of try and preempt them. It's not easy, um, but it's given me the sort of confidence to sort of say, this is me, this is who I am. This is how I'm going to try and move this forward and recognising those behaviours as not uh, a negative reflection of who I am either. Actually, there's some there's some brilliant things about me that are that go on because I am actually, I have got ADHD. Um, you know, focuses that perhaps others may not have, etc. So. You know, there's lots of things in there, positives in there, and it's being able to sort of say um, it's a whole package. And if you have a bad day, it's it's not the end of the world. You can pick yourself up and, and, and sort of keep going. So for me, routines are quite important. Um, and then exercise for me is sort of the thing that kind of saved me before, but it has become so integral to how I manage um, the sort of downside of the condition. So um, when my anxiety is very high, when I feel um, like I'm edging towards what I would call burnout as well, so like really sort of lethargic and find it difficult to focus, really bad brain fog, uh, so I can't think straight, um, which can be really frustrating if you've got a task that you need to do and you just cannot focus on it. And then you become a master procrastinator because you're like, oh, well, I I'll just do this instead and, and I'll come back to that. Um, and then this task that you really need to do doesn't get done. Um, and so I found that exercise is a brilliant way for me to kind of like push through that brain fog. So... Um, if I go even and I'm not going to say even just going to class, just practicing some routines for my class, something like that. If I just take that break and do it. And then I suddenly it's like everything starts firing again in my head and I can suddenly sort of see the task in front of me that I couldn't see before. Um, and then I'm not going to say that, you know, I'm suddenly like a whiz at everything, but I can I can see the wood for the trees and I can start to make progress on, on tasks. Um, and it's such a massive mood lifter for me, which I find really, really important, um, particularly if you're having a bad day and you're feeling quite down on yourself. Just um, going into class and feeding off other people's energy as well, that's what's wonderful about being an instructor um, is even when internally you're not feeling that great but then you you walk into that room and you see those people that are there because they want to be there because they want to be with you exercising um 
and then you all dance together and you have a laugh about it and yeah you're okay you probably go wrong because you've forgotten the routine because your brain's doing something else um and then we all laugh about it and like oh there's shoot the instructor and then we carry on and they can see that i'm human and that i'm not a machine and or a robot and um that, that i get it wrong too and then they relax about getting it wrong and we all just have a giggle about it and we carry on and then we at the end of the class you've just got that sort of lovely feeling of having belonged to something you know like it's um that was your time it's special time that you belong to they want to be with you and you want to be with them and it's like you can't wait to do it again and that's the thing that makes me want to carry on being an instructor because it's it, it could be very easy for me to go well you know i can't i can't do it it's too much admin there's too much this there's too much that i'm putting too much pressure on myself to learn all these routines and you know um socially engage with people when sometimes my social battery is way down you know and being able to put yourself out there all the time and being the one that people rely on at the front all the time, that can be really difficult when you're not feeling up to it um, and, and putting on that smile and being the one that's the life and soul, that can be really, really tough. But then when you start to see people develop in front of you, so the people that were really shy a few weeks beforehand, and it can just be a little thing like, it might be a little head flick go on and a move or like a little hip wiggle or, you know, or they do routine and they're not looking at their feet or they're singing or whatever it is. It's just little things, but you're like, my God, compare, compare you today to the you three weeks ago. And then when you speak to me in the class and you're like, I saw you, I saw you in that routine, that Beyonce sort of hair flick that you did. And they're like, did you? And, you know, and they suddenly sort of, like stand up a bit taller and they're smiling and you, you think feel proud yeah. of them don't you that, that, yeah you feel proud of them feel noticed and valued yeah and that's the thing and you sort of feel as though you've made them feel good and they've made themselves feel good you all walk out thinking yeah we've achieved something today and it's not necessarily you know that we've burnt loads of calories or you know done anything um really strenuous it's just that we've had a good time moving our bodies and we feel better for it um so, and that's it um, you were saying about um it can be really hard as an instructor sometimes mm -hmm. so we do we take on like instructors as a whole we take quite a lot on there's a lot mm -hmm. of work to do there's a lot to organize there's a lot of hats to wear and plates mm -hmm. spinning all at the same time and that can be overwhelming for um someone that is neurotypical or somebody that doesn't have a mental health condition that affects their ability to mm. cope with that um you know obviously that i have a personality disorder and that mm. manifests with very very similar crossover mm. attributes as what adhd does mm -hmm. so i completely understand um some of the things that you were talking about just now and the brain fog and the mm -hmm sort of just trying to decipher your thoughts and mm. then procrastinating because it can become so overwhelming. In terms of being an instructor with, mm -hmm. because there, there is, if you look in, when you look into around whether or not 
ADHD is a mental health condition, there is some discrepancy, some mm. disagreements mm. between organisations about whether or not it is purely neurodiverse or if or neurogenetic, I think is like the mm-hmm. main word mm-hmm. that's being used right now, and whether or not it is also a mental health condition because it comes with mental health related Mm-hmm. symptoms or mm-hmm. lifestyle implications so as an instructor mm-hmm. who manages the ADHD and also the mental health mm-hmm. side of that the implications of that what would you recommend or what tips would you give to another instructor who was in the same boat as you on how to sort of manage that overwhelm and how you feel and is there anywhere that anyone can go to get some help with that (laughs) okay so I'm not going to say that I've got all the answers because um, everyone's different and we all deal with things in our own way Um, and it is really about finding what works for you Um, I think what really helped me was um, doing my own research as well and reaching out to others that have um, similar profiles to me, whether that is through mental health or ADHD or whatever it is, we've all got things that we can relate to. Um, so, so whatever's brought us to the table, if you like. Um, and I think it's sharing experiences and actually saying to others, help, which is quite difficult sometimes to do. Um, Particularly when you're self-employed, you are a one-man band and um, there is a lot on your shoulders and it it feels as though if asking for help is kind of admitting defeat. Um, But actually, if you can talk to somebody else and just say, look, I've got, I, I just cannot get my head around how I'm supposed to learn all these routines or whatever it is. Um, and, joining groups perhaps, um, using social media if you can, if you're quite isolated where you are, um, to ask other instructors about tips on how to do it. And, you know, there'll be there'll be things that are um, offered up to you that won't work for you. And it is about trial and error. Um, and it is just about finding something that clicks in your brain and then um, really running with that and keeping it as a routine. But I can't say that I have any tips, particularly myself, because I still feel as though I'm still very much on that journey. Um, I still have days where I could just sit and cry. (laughs) Uh, You know, I feel like it's really overwhelming. I don't know, and you know, what am I doing? Um, And so it's, it's hard to sort of say, I would recommend you do this, but, I would say that talking to others has definitely made me feel less alone. And it's the feeling so isolated that um, can make you feel more depressed and make your anxiety much higher. So if you can talk to other instructors and sort of say, you know, um, this is me, this is what I'm about and um, I'm struggling with this. Has anyone else struggled with this and how have you dealt with it? Um, and they may be a little bit further down the journey or they may have just come across uh, haphazardly, as quite often happens, a way that they found to deal with stuff. Um, and you say, oh, yeah, that could really work for me. And then, you know, 
be able to implement it and then you just pick up these little things as you go um, and start to sort of build more healthy routines around how to deal with um, various things. And as, as they crop up, you think, oh, well, that worked last time. So maybe I'll try that this time. So, yeah. Great. So the, the main theme that I've sort of taken away from this conversation then with yourself is um, in terms of your own management of your various conditions is you know, taking a bit of a brain break, getting up, having a little dance and just deferring mm -hmm. the attention from the situation. And, and also routine is something that I've heard mm -hmm. you talk yeah. about quite heavily. Yeah. And you're not the first person that I've spoken to, particularly um, with ADHD or a personality disorder who takes a great deal of security and comfort in routine mm -hmm. and any deferment from that routine can have mm. terrible implications mm. on how the rest of the week unfolds. So in terms of connecting with other people to talk about how you're feeling and getting some support with that, with that. as Decades Reloaded instructors, lots of us mm -hmm. have bonded very quickly um, over shared interests and shared mm -hmm. experiences of our own mental health mm -hmm. conditions. But also you have recently taken over a yeah. Facebook group, haven't you? Mm -hmm. Which goes a little bit deeper and starts to tap into yeah. instructors with um, neurodivergent mm. diagnosis as well. So can you just tell us about that? And yeah, so this group was set up a little while ago, actually, I think not long after the pandemic. Um, it was it was set up to as a, a group for those instructors that had a diagnosis of, for example, ADHD, autism, OCD, dyslexia, so, you know, the complete spectrum of things um and it did well for a little while and then it's kind of fizzled out a little bit so i have taken it over now as admin and i'd really like to use it to reach out to those instructors that are either maybe suspecting that there may be something else going on or who have got a diagnosis who are looking to reach out to others to try and find those strategies um, to try and help them. But not only that, just so that they feel a little less alone, um, so that they feel like they've got a safe space to talk as well. Um, quite often in uh, other large groups of instructors, and there's nothing wrong with those groups, but a lot of the advice that is given is sort of very geared towards the neurotypical brain. Um, and so it can be difficult then when you read through the, the threads to think, actually, why, why is this not working for me? Why can't I use the same strategies as everybody else? And that is purely because your brain works differently. It, that, that's, that's it at the end of the day. You've just, you just got a different operating system to somebody else and you just need to find the right software um and be able to run it and so I love it's, that that would be like so it, me yeah. trying to convert from microsoft to apple i can't use yeah. apple at all exactly <laughs> so you're remotely. not you're not gonna it's not not everything that works for the neurotypical community is going to work for you that doesn't mean to say that you're any less of an instructor you're as you're brilliant you're absolutely fantastic at what you do you've got every um attribute that you need to be an instructor you just need to find some different ways of working so that it works for your brain. Um, and so I think that's important to realise that within our instructor community, 
we are going to have instructors that are um, on the spectrum with various different conditions or just finding that their mental health isn't where they want it to be for whatever reason. You don't necessarily have to um, be diagnosed with a particular condition to be feeling the symptoms of burnout, having um, you know symptoms of depression. Anxiety is something that is quite a natural, normal part of life as well. Anxiety is a, a natural inbuilt mechanism and it is useful in many different ways. But when it starts to take over our lives and stops us from living the life that we want to live, that's when it becomes a problem. So, you know, it's not necessarily just a group for those of us who we consider to be neurodiverse, yeah. but it's also a group for those instructors who just feel like, do you know what? I'm in a bit of a slump right now. I can't really put my finger on why that is, but I need to be able to have a safe space to talk about that. Um, but also to observe, because I all know that when we are feeling low ourselves, engaging in groups can be quite difficult. Um, I find that sometimes, you know, I put a post up, and then my brain sort of goes, I can't even deal with all the responses or, you know, it, and, and so then I will refrain from um, participating in a, in a thread because I'm like, I can't read all the different um, opinions here and I'm taking on all this different stuff and my brain feels like it's going to explode. So it's also a place where, you know, I'm hoping to be able to put in information and sources of help for people but I'm not expecting people to engage if they don't feel they can either. Um, there's no pressure to engage in the group. Um, so it's okay if you just want to get dip in and out and look at some resources that I've put in there. But it's also great if you want to share experiences as well. So it, it's a group there for everybody. Um, and there's no pressure to actually be, you know, um, com communicating and contributing all the time because that can be another demand that can make us feel like we really don't hit the mark. So we need to sort of take that demand away and think there's no pressure, there's no judgment. This group is here for you if you need it, when you need it. And that's and what's, what's the important. name of the group? So it's um, Neurodiversity Fitness Instructors um, and Mental Health. So um, I'll we'll put the link up for you guys and um, you can follow it. Um, join the group there's a probably a few questions that we'll ask you just to make sure that we've got the right people in the group um, and then we'll add you in and then as the weeks go on you'll start to see more content going in there excellent so i will add underneath this podcast then the links to your fiero fitness uh, yeah. saltash business down mm. in cornwall i say down yeah. because i am although yeah way down it's just the country you're down for me it's about the only best <laughs> yeah. is yeah um, <laughs> i've got just two of you who are further south than i am um so i will put the link in for that and mm -hmm. also your fab new facebook group as mm -hmm. well and also the group that you were speaking about with the families that you mm. support with mm -hmm. advice and useful links yeah. as well down yeah. in cornwall because yeah. Um, that could be an invaluable resource mm -hmm. for more people as well. So yeah. thank you so much That's for coming all right. and doing our first 
ever podcast on the mental health mixtape it has been an absolute (laughs) joy speaking to you you. today hannah thank you so much it's been so insightful and i feel like we've got about two million more topics off the back today that we can talk about in great length thank you very much (laughs) okay thank you and i will see you soon bye